Now is the moment. Now is the day. Now is forever. Now is time to play. Yesterday is forgotten, except before I sleep. Have you heard Future's latest album? You gotta sow before you reap. Upright highways, electromagnetic waves, listening to Joe Rogan as the whispers seem to fade. Fret not, fear not, O ye sons of man. Listen up, close up, and see the dogs of Sam. Three-headed martial snarl, slobber sloppy with the rest. With his arm across my shoulder and some spikenard on my chest. I grew some rue to ward off evil and forgot along the way toward my final longing I surrender day by day. But forget yet what you think I know. Let go, let go, let go. Greetings! Welcome to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. This is an occasionally comedic, poetic podcast about mysticism, spirituality, the esoteric, and yes, magic. Welcome. I was recently working through a resentment towards my ex-boyfriend's mom, who confronted me about my use of the Bible for magic. And she said, the Bible speaks against magic. I didn't reply to her text, this was months ago, but I still carried on this resentment until recently. I resented her because how can you say that the Bible is against magic when the Bible is magic? There are many stories in the Bible of healing, of miraculous happenings. What do you think that is if it's not magic? Casting a rod down to turn into a serpent, bringing on plagues and striking a rock so that the water gushes out? Or the story of Jacob, who, before leaving town with his two wives, Rachel and Leah, utilized magic with these rods in order that his livestock may breed more abundantly. Turning water into wine. Did I already say that? Turning water into wine. How do you think Paul got out of prison? Magic. 
one of the issues that I see with dogma, well, actually, I'll, I'll get to that. So stick around and, and we'll talk more about one of the issues I see with dogma. I don't know. This feels like a weird time to pause and do promo, but why not? So if you'd like to support this podcast, you can book a tarot reading with me at samantha.as.me. You can also support this podcast by purchasing art at etsy.com slash shop slash Hanael777. That's H-A-N-A-E-L-777. For those wondering, Hanael is the archangel associated with the planet Venus. She's one of the seven who stands before God. The poem that I read at the introduction of this episode is one I wrote last year, and it will be included in my upcoming book. I wrote it when Mars entered Aries, So Mars rules Aries, and tomorrow Mars enters Scorpio, and Mars also classically rules Scorpio, and tomorrow is October 30th. The day of the dead, the dead are with us, the veil is thin. How spooky. I've been busy this week cleaning the kitchen and cleaning my living space, so as to have a clean environment to welcome in the dead. Someone asked me, what's Samhain? And it's like, um, it's like the day of the dead, but for white people. Samhain is spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So it's pronounced nothing like it's spelled. There are many ways to welcome in the dead. They're already here with us, but during these times in which the veil is thin is an opportune opportunity to commune with them. Some people are afraid of the underworld, but I guess that's not really my problem. I knew somebody whose birth chart, all of his planets were above the horizon when he was born. And so he was like, I don't understand why anybody would work in the underworld. And then when I saw that on his chart, I was like, well, yeah, obviously you don't understand because you have zero planets in the underworld. But for the rest of us who are not afraid of the unknown, or maybe you are, I don't know. Um, Tis the season. I was going to, I'm going to read my book. Tis the season to welcome the dead. It's always a good time to welcome the dead, truly. Um, I took a class in Kemetic Orthodoxy. And again, remember, Kemetic means Egyptian. So in Egyptian Orthodoxy. And one of the lessons I learned that if one has some problems in one's life, one ought to look to the dead. Because in my own life, when I was thinking that the three dimensions were all there were, and I wasn't concerned with my lineage or where I came from or 
my spiritual life, I was fragmented. When my dad passed away 10 years ago, there were many years where he would appear to me in a dream as a zombie. But whenever I began to venerate the dead and put up an ancestor altar in my living space, my dad began to show up to me in my dreams as if he were alive again. I had a dream that my dad was loading a gun and teaching me how to do it. And I thought perhaps this means that he's protecting me. On last week's episode, I mentioned that in the Western esoteric tradition in which I am trained and training, the north is the direction of the ancestors, the shield, and the divine feminine. I also read in a pagan book this past week, because why not, that if one wants to set up an ancestor altar, one should do so in the west. And I think that both work. The West makes sense because that's the direction that the sun sets. And so whenever Osiris goes down into the underworld, the West is where the sun, right, is going into the underworld in the evening. So if you do desire to set up an ancestor altar to venerate the dead who are still with you, those family members with whom you had a friendly connection, no need to welcome in any family members where there's contention, they might not want to be there anyway. However, if you did have friendly relations with certain family members who have now passed on beyond the physically embodied form, one could set up an ancestor altar, either in the north or in the west. It's very simple to do. A few suggestions. Well, let me start with what's first necessary. Any type of magic entails a flame. Yes, always have a flame. And for an ancestor altar, a flame and a glass of water. Okay, a flame and a glass of water. So here's what you could do. You could set up a white cloth or whatever color, truly, no need to stress. Set up a cloth. I prefer white. You could do black with pictures of the dead who you had good relations with, a flame, a glass of water. There's your essentials right there. Everything else that you add to this altar could be, you know, obviously a little rum. You could, if you have objects that belonged to those family members, you could put those on the altar or things that they would like. My family liked to play the lotto, so maybe I would put a scratch off on the family altar. If you have a family Bible that belonged to one of the members, you could also put that on the altar. If they drove a particular car, say they really liked Cadillacs, you could do, you could put a little like toy Cadillac car on the altar. And you could work with them as often as you'd like. Even just uh, making an offering once a month of just lighting even a tea light and putting out a fresh glass of water. 
and then just talking to them. Or if you make coffee in the morning, make an extra cup of coffee, put it on the altar, and have your coffee with your ancestors. Talk with them. They're with us anyway. You could call them by name whenever you open up the altar and light the flame. Oh, also incense. You could, there's no need to stress about, you know, what type of incense. You know, if you want to do myrrh, if all you have is a stick of Palo Santo, put a stick of Palo Santo. Uh, there's really no need to stress about that. Just some kind of good smell would be nice. Maybe pine, maybe you could burn some cedar, um, some juniper. No need to stress, just, or any nagchampa, you know, though. Um, yeah, no need to stress. Just any type of incense um, they would appreciate. So you have your pictures of them on a cloth with a glass of water, a flame. You could do a pillar candle or a tea light. You could do a shot of rum, or you could just bring them a cup of coffee. Here's a tip, though. Never eat offerings given to the dead. And so after you've given them an offering of coffee, it is highly suggested that you do not drink from that coffee. The next question that this brings up is how to dispose of offerings. If I had coffee... I would pour it, you know, outside somewhere. No need to stress. You know, some people say, oh, take it to a crossroads. Yes, certain times, uh, but no need to stress. Even if you have food offerings, you could wrap those in their own plastic bag, like from the grocery store. Just wrap it separately and then just throw it in your garbage. That's one way I was taught through... A system that is sound. So let's say you gave your ancestors, you know, a, a candy bar and it's been sitting on that altar for a couple months and you kind of feel like mm, maybe they're kind of over it. Like, let me get rid of this. And so then you would wrap the Reese's bar in um, its own plastic bag and then throw that away so that it's separate from the other garbage. You also don't have to unwrap the candy. You can leave the candy wrapped on the altar. So hopefully this gives you a few ideas. And so whenever you're sitting down with your coffee or lighting the flame and the incense, you could say, to all my ancestors known and unknown. So yeah, maybe you're adopted. Maybe you don't know many of your ancestors. You could also call them by name and then you just talk to them about your week. Talk to them about what's going on with you, if there's anything you're struggling with, the IRS, car problems. Maybe you could write down a petition for them and you could put the petition on the altar. You could also, maybe it's one of their birthdays and so you could leave a birthday greeting card, maybe write a petition or something nice to them in the greeting card and leave that on the altar. Maybe it's their birthday and you want to give them a cupcake. Maybe it's their death day and you want to remember them and so you have that marked in your calendar. Or just any old day. You could do offerings once a week or I like once a month is nice because it kind of keeps that 
flame going. It keeps the relationship building. Um, but anything you do is better than not. So I hope you got something out of that. <clears throat> There's no need to wait for Halloween or Samhain or Dia de los Muertes in order to venerate the dead. This is a tradition that we can carry with us throughout our lives and through our day-to-day -day journeys because our ancestors want us to succeed. We are the summation of our ancestors. And so when we succeed, we are doing a service to our ancestors, let's say. All right, <clears throat> taking a sip of coffee now. Good morning. I'm here early in the morning today. Am I about to go into work? At, I do have a job at Okatillo Botanica. I think I mentioned that. So I have this writer's residency here in Marfa. And then I also work at Okatillo Botanica. So if you're ever coming through Marfa, Marfa, get your metaphysical supplies and come say hello. I'm usually there Friday and Saturdays. All right. So I also wrote two poems inspired by this season. I couldn't sleep the other night. Who knows why? Golems and ghosts and fairies and such. So I, instead of laying in bed for three hours staring at the ceiling, I wrote a couple poems by candlelight. So they don't have titles. Um... Here's the first one. Am I truly weaving baskets after midnight through a windy veil by candlelight at my bedside? The fire danced and on waves I sailed on a sea foam green racehorse thinking I had nearly failed, thinking I was insane to check the mail. My dog is thunder and deaf like pain. Surely Solomon could make it rain. A wise king is he, King Solomon, arrayed in all his glory yet not arrayed like me. A humble housemaid and a hot dog queen, forgiving resentments from when I was 14, thinking if I could just get one more, taste one more, get my ass up off the floor and give myself a hug, just one more. Did I already tell you the story of the moth? How when I quit breathing, the candle's dancing stops. And now for untitled number two. Actually, this one does have a title tentative title. I titled it, Samhain is my holiday. I took a drink of wax, just one tiny baby sip, and yet I'm paranoid if I 
see a moving stick. The indigenous were right. Cameras steal our souls. Yet I know a few tricks to negate that. Directionally, it's fourfold. A dumb, dumb supper with but one empty place, one across the table, and nine candles light the space. Afraid of what? I often wonder if I ever truly died, or if every meadow is a projection, or if every time I faked, I cried. What are these digital tears longing from my eyes, as if the dead are not with us? There are no sweet bye-byes. Hell is fake, but Hades not. An underworld, you see. I saw a snake, yes, quite a lot. But Osiris, I shall surely be. A luminous mother is our Isis. A fair lady down below. Sewing and stitching is our Isis. From her grounds we surely grow. What have I to give but words or my current reality of living clean and staying clean just so I could surely breathe? What? have I to do but pray and wander through the storm. O oh, shaky bones that creak and sway, by my word the world is formed. For without the eye there is none to see and no one I could wed. For even I Yea, even I, for I am surely dead. All right, <clears throat> and um, before getting to, this is the season finale, by the way, of season five on the book of Ecclesiastes. What a journey it's been. And so before we get to Ecclesiastes 12, uh, this is something I wrote upon reflection of reading Ecclesiastes 12, and perhaps it'll bring some illumination, though I release any expectations either way. This is what I was saying about dogma earlier. <clears throat> we don't have to fall into dualistic dogma. When the stories of the Bible are taken to be literally or historically factual, we are falling into a trap. The Ten Commandments are a methodology. When we steal, we create problems for ourselves 
and participate in our soul's fragmentation. We are not anything but divine, yet our minds conceive we are separate. Open-mindedness is a spiritual principle, as is wise discernment. A clear mind and pure heart increase the clarity of one's discernment. Life feels heavy and sticky when I but seek pleasure to ever avoid pain. This is the beauty of life or one of its beauties, to live life on life's terms and seek spiritual solutions. And without further ado, Ecclesiastes 12. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one arises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words and what was written was upright words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by the shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God 
and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil.